We do not have the scripture printed for you this Sunday. Uh, we usually do that. Uh, so it's going to be from Nehemiah 8 if you have Bibles with you. And uh, one of the reasons we don't have that is because uh, we, Pastor Howard just found out he was preaching on Saturday so, uh, uh, or Friday night. Um, and so Pastor Howard, of course, uh, knowing that I was going to have to do this part, picks the craziest uh, set of names in all of the Old Testament history. Uh, so I'm going to have to read all these. He said, Georgia, just read them fast and confident. It'll be fine. Uh, uh, so um, I said, well, didn't we go to seminary just so we could learn how to pronounce these words? And it's like, yeah, okay, that's good. Okay, so we're in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12, and I will read them to you, read this to you. Um, and uh, and uh, so hear the word of God. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. <clears throat> So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water grate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform and they ha- that they had made uh, for the purpose. And beside him stood, here we go. Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maaseah, on the right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malisha, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left. <laughs> and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it to all the people, uh, the, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Ahub, Shabethiah, Hodiah, Maaseah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave sense to the so that people uh, that gave this and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, "This day is holy." To the Lord your God, do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Center Church. Welcome. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. And um, hopefully you have a happy new year along with it. And... um, Yes, this is that Sunday, right, where half of us are on the road or home with Mama or somebody or someplace else. But I'm glad that you're here this morning and hear the Word of God. And um, what we're going to do is we are going to, what I didn't expect to have to do today, but we're going to wrap up our holiday sermon series on the icons of the holiday. 
And it's amazing how um, God sort of providentially has, he, have these, has these things uh, kind of strung together. Uh, last week we talked about the song, celebrating God through the song, speaking to God through the song, having God speak to us in his chorus of redemption, answering the, the verse of our situation. This week we're going to look at the party, the idea of God's people coming to celebrate. And then next week we start a new sermon series on tell me something good, right? The goodness of God, the goodness of... So we just got a whole line of fun, good, happy sermons. We just went through our Grow Up sermon series, so I figured it's about time I... We, we get a little happy, you know. Um, but let's continue with the icons of the holiday. And there's one standard of the holiday season that we all can be a part of. It's the party. The party. Which will be highlighted in the next few days at New Year's Eve's New Year's Eve celebrations across the world. And the holiday season has been saturated with all sorts of parties, right? You have uh, office parties and neighborhood parties. And, and what's that celebration we do at your house, Valders? Three Kings something? King's Day. You know, the, it's a Hispanic celebration of the Three Kings. And it's great. They have this pork thing. They had the rice and the peas and the... Okay, Tres Leches cake, that, that thing. Anyway, without a doubt, in other words, I was in the house that day. I was there. I had my share. I look forward to that pork every week, you know. I'm from South Carolina. We eat from the rooter to the tutor. You know what I'm saying? Just, and they, uh, they had to come out and explain to people, you got to eat the fat part of it. I'm like, you don't have to tell me. I look for the skin, y'all. I look for the skin. And my house had to fight for the skin. All right. Y'all, y'all can tell I just wrote this thing yesterday because I'm just going to enjoy y'all this morning, you know. Anyway, without a doubt, the holiday season is a time to party. A time to come together to drink and eat and dance and sing it up, to live life out loud together in some parties, to mark and make history, to put a punctuation point on an event, a happening, a story. In our new members class, as Pastor Giorgio highlighted or earlier, you will hear that part of being a member of this church is that you must be ready to party. That we as a church are committed to the party. That we as a church are, are, are like the celebration. And it is our goal to party as much as we can with as much as we can. The party, when it comes to God's people, should and could set off at any moment. Sometimes up in here we accidentally bump into a party when we come together, right? Because more than any other institution, any other group of people, the church has every reason to live life out as loud as they can. The party is central to our covenantal agreement with God, right? Christians, church folk, should be those people that know how to have a good time, how to express their joy, how to party. So that the party is not just an icon of the holiday season, but an establishment of God's holy happenings 
among his people. In this book of Nehemiah that we read from this morning, we we see God calling for his people to party for a whole week. They had been exiled. They'd been separated from their country and their identity for, for, for decades now. 50 plus years they were stolen away from their land. They've robbed of their native tongue. That's why the priests and the Levites have to interpret it for them. They're been robbed of their culture by the Babylonians. And, and let me be fair here and say that the, the Israelites, sometime between 700 and 586 B.C., they began to sell themselves out to the bigger countries. They went to worship in other gods and eating other, other gods' foods, other countries' foods. They, they wanted to be like the dominant culture. And they played themselves right out of their sense of worth and being and put their God up for sale as well. Well, you know the Babylonians. They liked a good deal on cheap real estate and in gentrifying fashion took up the sale and redistribution of people, giving them the ancient version of a Section 8 voucher away from where they grew up. Now, God's people might have sold out and sold themselves short and, and, and even made a commodity for the superpowers to move around. But contrary to popular belief, God himself was not for sale and not for resettling. Long story short, God took out Babylonian leadership and the Persians were rolled in. It was time for change, y'all. And after almost a century of being alienated, overlooked, and used, God had brought them home. This was a 100,000-person homecoming, a a family reunion where even the mad part of the family was willing to come. Y'all know them folks. So-and-so did you wrong. We ain't going to the family. Even the mad part of the family was willing to come. Even the ones whose last names, you know, I'm your cousin. I don't know you. But in in, in ethnic style, there was a meeting at the home church. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Maybe you do. And Ezra opens the book of the law. This was more than just their ethereal faith. This was their real heritage. This was their story with God. And the people there began to weep as they reflected on on how far they had strayed. But God had a different call on them, right? What did the priest say? What does Ezra say? Dry your tears and party. Rejoice because you're home now. God, having called us out of exile, if you will, is now calling us out from being distant from him, out of our weeping, out of our degradation and alienation. And he is calling us to party, to come together, to open up our senses, and finally to be and hear the story. Assembly, senses, story. God is calling us to come together. In one place. To, to be together. To experience each other together and Him together. Because you know what? You can't, contrary to what you think you might be doing or having, you can't have a one-person party. That ain't a party. That's apartheid. 
That's separation. And God is calling us to connect to each other, to be reconciled to each other. In this chapter, there's clans and tribes of people, and they're seeing each other. After years of being separate, you know how you come together. You don't even know the person. You're like, you sure look like cousin so-and-so. Well, I'm cousin so-and-so's son. You know, folk are seeing faces and images and people and recognizing voices and, and, and looking at each other. And they can know each other and themselves better as they see each other together. You know, there are two types of people at the party, right? Two types of people to make the party happen. Those who came to be seen and those who came to see, right? You know the ones who came to be seen, they break into the party. What's up, party people? They came to be seen. Looking good, putting on the best clothes. They want people to know they're there. I'm here. Let the party get started. I hate when people come in like that. Party been started. They come in. Let the party start. I'm here now. Please. Did you bring anything, you know, coming in with a bag of chips and a two liter? Come on. And then there's the people who came to see. Sometimes they get slimy folk coming. What's up? Looking around. In seriousness, though, it's about coming to be known and to know. And God calls us to be found and found out and find and find out other people to find and be found out by each other. The party teaches us something about what it means and meant then to be God's people. You cannot enjoy life alone. Let me say it again. You cannot enjoy life alone. You should not be enjoying life alone. You can't get all that you should out of life alone. You shouldn't eat alone or or drink alone or be happy or sad alone or, or deal with your own story alone. You've got to share all that life gives and takes with someone or someone else's, right? Would you dance or drink alone a whole conversation with yourself? After all that stuff starts to mean what? You're dysfunctional. Right? All sorts of isms that cut off healthy joy happen inside of you when you try to tackle or even hug life alone. Understand this. You and I are only getting half of life. A less than full life. A depressed life in view of ourselves and and it when we are alone. Your joy is not and cannot be full alone. You can't party alone and and just as dysfunctional as it is to drink or sorry who is it billy idol you can't dance with yourself god is saying something else in the party here too though with that in mind you and i can't know and enjoy him god alone it doesn't happen At the very least, you can't know God like you can and should by yourself. The event and person and experience of God is too big for you to do on your own. It doesn't happen. I was watching this food show on a Discovery Channel. And a guy was in Memphis. 
I was there a couple of weeks ago, and they were showing the places you went to eat. You went to Rendezvous Ribs, I mean, Rendezvous Barbecue Place. I'm like, Kelly, I was there. Kelly, I'm mad when you talk about when you go places. And I'm hungry. And she goes, I shouldn't be watching, so I'm hungry now. They show some good fried chicken, and they show some ribs. It was, okay. So this guy goes to this place with the Bigfoot burger. It's like this big. Four pounds of ground beef on a two-pound bun with one pound of other ingredients. And if you eat it in an hour, you get your face on the wall, right? So this guy, he says, I'm going to do it. And he digs in, and you can see it happening. You know, he's all happy. Man, this is good. Woohoo! People cheering. Yay! But halfway through, and he said, I had to stop, right? So I don't lose my dignity all over the place, he said. The burger looks so good when they put it on the grill, y'all. Realize this. You can't handle God alone. He's not made to enjoy by yourself. He's too much. I hear it all the time, right? I have no joy in God right now. My, my spiritual life is dry and stale and old because you've tried to eat the God burger alone. It's good. He's good. But he is burdensome when taken alone. The joy of him is communicated, is tasted, is felt like it should when you connect your experience with others with him. Some of us come and say, man, worship is just so bland. Partly because you don't know anybody. You don't, you don't look across like they did here in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah. Look across and see other people. You don't know the stories in the room. You, you, don't, you don't know their story. If you don't have anything to party about, let me let you know. In this community, someone else does. If you have missed wrongly why... You should be happy and joyous about God. Community has people who with you give you a reason if you did not come in with one. I mean, look around. Get around this place and these people. And look what he tells the people to do in this text. He says, when you go home and you make wine and you make food, make sure you make some for those who can't make it for themselves. You see, community... Sometimes I come in here, I'm mad, y'all. Most mornings I come in, I'm mad. Don't look at me back there. Please don't look at me. And I've talked about this. I'd be all grumpy, wondering why this ain't working, wondering why so-and-so in here, hearing about the nursery not having enough people in it. You know, I'm just back there not doing what I should be doing. And someone else comes in. And I see him. And I know their story. And all of a sudden, the party starts because someone else comes in with a story that I know. And now what they have come in is now mine to enjoy, to worship the Lord. You can't worship God alone. You need the party. And what kind of party is it? And y'all bear at me through this part, okay? But what kind of party is it? 
if there are not any substances, right? Come on, y'all. Y'all don't go to a party ain't no snacks. Stuff. Substances. What's it say here? Let me, let me make sure God said this now. We can look at it together somewhere in here. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. Verse 10. Stop crying, y'all. That's what he said. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy food and sweet drinks. <laughs> and send some to those who have nothing to prepare. And then it says then in verse 12, then all the people went away to eat and drink to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that have made have been made known to them. Stop to call and heighten the senses. Yes, the body to joy to heighten you to match the event to wake up the body to the reality that something big and good is going on. I mean, again, look at the list of best food, the wine to a house somewhere. God is saying, go have a house party. God is calling his people to use substances for their joy as a reflection of their joy and his sense of party. Let's be honest, y'all. It ain't no party without something going in the mouth, the eyes, the ears, the nose, or in the hands. Don't go sorted on me, though. Y'all keep it clean. Because I'm saying God wants to use us to use his creation, food and drink in a, in a heightened sense to bring our senses, our body, our physical reality in line and equal level to what he is doing and has done in the heart. The party is all about the substances, too, right? To celebrate with stuff, to say this stuff praises the Lord. This stuff reflects the goodness of God. When I was in college, the party was happening when what? Huh? Got to be careful with the college one, too, right? I know some of y'all stories. Not mine. You get them speakers, turn them out, put a little doo-doo brown on it. Y'all don't know about doo-doo brown. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit. But you get that bass pumping. Even if it's a small dorm room, you take the hall. When the bass is pumping, people are, some of you, woo-hoo, some of you do that. Or, or what turns out to be a more unfortunate situation in college settings, what we used to do before I grew up and knew any better, we used to make a little PJ. Y'all don't know what PJ is? Put a little grain alcohol, okay, a lot. Gosh, is this church? What's going on up in here? Some Everclear, Right? In with some grape and red punch you got from Walmart. Cut some fruit up in it. Let it sit for 24 plus hours in a 30-gallon trash can. And voila! PJ! Party juice, y'all. Party juice. And folk would be attracted by the sound of the boom. Boom of Rhythm Nation, right? Y'all don't remember that. And the smooth sounds of SWV. Or, you know, the hard-hitting thump of P.E.'s Fight the Power in 1989, Another Summer, Get Down, Sound of the Funky Drum. Y'all know about that. And people would come, and they'd bring it. It was unsanitary. We didn't know no better back then. Remember them sip bottles? People would come, whoop, sip their bottle. Yeah! It was a party! The senses say, 
head, right? And came in line with what was going on. We were elevated physically and expressing with stuff our joy on this Friday night because there was no class tomorrow. Or Saturday night because we beat the heck out of Florida State that morning. You know what I'm saying? That was back when we went in. We were elevated physically to the reality of what was going on. God is all about the party juice. In quotes. Okay? Don't go get no grain alcohol. Pastor told me. No, the party juice in quotes. Because God is calling his people in the party to not let the senses be out of line with what is true really and spiritually. So in church, we do music. And we do it up and well, and sometimes it's a little louder than normal or more emotional than normal or more quiet than normal. We put our hands in the air and we wave them, not like we just don't care, but like God does care for us. And we are ordered to have Lord's Supper and baptism, sensible reminders and sensible aligners of our bodies and minds with our souls. When these folk ate this food and drank the drink and praised God with their, their mouths, it was loud and and clear what God was doing in them and to them and was promising to do in them and through them. God was promising to keep them and love them and be good to them. As good as the food and the music and the drink communicated. Let me give a little aside here because I got to. That's why drunkenness and gluttony is wrong. Right? God is not about destroying or confusing or disillusioning the body. But elevating us out of dark and depression of sin in a sinful world to seeing and believing and experiencing and opening our eyes and our ears and our bodies to his grace and his truth. There's something about that food on Sunday afternoon. Prepared with love. It's really soul food. God is saying, go home for a week. Y'all have some soul food all week long. When he says sweet drink, some of y'all thinking the red Kool-Aid with the two packs of sugar in it to the one pack of Kool-Aid mix. You know what I'm saying. Go and enjoy. Some of y'all enjoying it this week. I got so much candy and sweets and Kelly bought our mixer for Christmas. What are the things? Two sweet potato pies. I mean, it's just... Time to celebrate, y'all. Time to celebrate. Someone made a Christmas brew for me. Time to celebrate. So at Christ Central Church, we party with everything, right? We have desserts, food, and we have beverages of all sorts, and we have music, and we have buzzing conversation. You know, we have our church anniversary this year, y'all, February 5th, February 1st. We're going to do it up. Because God's joy is in our hearts and thus in our bodies and his joy expressed in our bodies, in our senses. Line up a shot of God's spiritual joy to come right on in. We need the physical help and the hope of the substance. So strike up the band. Play it well and right. And like last week, let's sing and move our bodies and lift our hands. Let us vibrate with the bass and the feet stumping and the voices. Let us smell the colognes and perfumes and even smoke on the person next to us. Let us look at the multicolored faces and shades confetted around us. Let us see how and who God is calling. Let us be elevated to experience all he is bringing to us, finite beings. In other words, we need to praise God. With all that we have and everything we have to bring, with all that we can grow and manufacture and hold 
move and have within legal and sobering and biblical parameters. Let it all lift us and let it all communicate to God and ourselves his joy and our pleasure with him. It's time to party. But there is no party without a story. In other words, you got to get me a reason to get down, right? I need a reason to come together. I need a reason to pillage the vine and vineyards and the fields for substance, right? You know how parties is always the reminder. It's always the awkward moment in the party. Everybody having a good time. Woohoo, yeah. Some people don't even know why they're there. Yes. Just eating up. And someone, woohoo. I just want to say a few things. Oh, come on, man. You know, at New Year's, we'll have the countdown, everybody on the same thing. But at every party, if it is a party, there must be a story. There must be a historical reason to mark and make history ourselves with this event. Something or someone must drive us or be calling us to the next level. The story, right? The party plot, if you will. It's a birthday. It's a marriage. It's a new year. It's a new president. It's a newborn. It's or a historic event that changed things forever. Juneteenth, the 4th of July, a homecoming, a home going, a move that changes things or changed things forever. Something worth remembering and something you are glad to forget and move away from. These Israelites wept at the gathering, at the story of the party. Because it was something to remember about God's goodness. And it was his goodness and mercy that would at this time take away all that they wanted to forget. So that they can look forward to a new way of living. Away from exile and sin and at home with the Lord and their redeemed sense of worth and destiny. They were leaving a past life and returning to a new life. Simply put, it was time to party. So as they say here, wipe your tears. Stop crying. Stop mourning. This is a day holy to the Lord. That's what holiday means. I remember Pastor George preaching on holiday. It means holy day. Wipe your tears and replace them with joy. All because the story they had lived and were about to live. They lived like an oppressed people without a history, without hope. They had given themselves over to all sorts of gods and kings and false hopes and false dreams that should have made the God that called them his people be ashamed and turn his back on them forever. But the book of the law. The story of God, of the rescue and redemption of people, it was restated and, and re, reunited in them. They connected to a story that drove them and called them and invited them and gave them a why to party. Because they were still there and still here. They were still God's people and still under his care and still always will be. We can't party, some of us. Because we don't see a reason for joy or for celebration. Because some of you may have forgotten the story. Some of you don't know the story. Some of you have done so well for yourselves, you fooled yourself into living something 
of a story that is not reality. But let me tell you, especially true and reflected upon during this New Year's year, here it is. Like the exiles in Nehemiah, you should not be here. You should not be here. We should not be here. We should not have made it. We should have destroyed ourselves or been destroyed. We should have been forgotten. We should have been crushed. We should have sold out and been sold out. We should be friendless. God should have turned his back on us. We should not have seen December 28th, 2008, and we should not really see January 2009. You should not be here in and of yourself based on your decisions. Sin and brokenness inside and outside of us should have taken us out. Death and condemnation should have the final word on us. Not only should we not be here, more so, you and we should not be here like we are here. Right? That divorce should have done you in. The addiction should have made you lose everything. The economy should have you jumping out of a window or having taken too many pills one day. Your depression should have alienated you from everywhere. That abusive situation should have killed your soul. That lack of mama or daddy thing in your life should have had greater mal effects on you. Some of you should be in jail or dead somewhere. Some of you should have flunked out or got caught when you got away with it. Your children should not should be completely lost to some of you. That sickness should have been it for you. Your marriages should not be here like they are. You you really should not be eating today like you eat. Like the popular gospel song, you never would have made it. We in and of yourselves isolated and alienated from God should not have made it even to hear this message and experience this church service today. You should not be here. To hear the book of the law and hear God speaking to you. You should still be trapped in a fantasy and idol worship. Stop being a pure fool. But most importantly for you Christians, you should not in and of yourselves be able to call yourself redeemed children of God. You should not be called the apple of God's eye. You should not be called the center of his creational earthly affection. Those whom God, you should not be called those whom God will never leave or forsake even after death. But here's the kicker. Not only are and were all these things true about people in this room, they will be. And they can be true. God will never leave you or forsake you because of his mercy. That whatever we could ever do to ourselves or have done to ourselves will not separate us from the life and love of God. It did not happen. You're here. It does not happen and it will not happen. That is the story. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to this earth to start a party. He came looking for those of us needy for a Savior. And he gave all of the substances necessary to lift us out of sin. 
When he died on the cross, the Bible says his blood poured like wine and his body torn like bread. And then the angels sang a song at his resurrection and the earth vibrated in his victory over sin and a broken world. And through it, we know him as Lord and he knows us as his people and all that we have vibrates and should sing and pour and cook and drink with elevated heavenly joy that we have been redeemed. And this story of God's love for sinners like us through Jesus Christ should mean that every day is a holiday. Because every day the story is true. And every day because of Jesus there is joy for our tears and yes for our no and food for our hunger and friend for our loneliness and wine for our thirst and community for our need of togetherness. In Christ, because of Christ, there is a party For our souls. Because the story says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet exiled, while we were yet separated from the love of God, Jesus died for us and called us back home. And it's time to party. It's time to celebrate the Lord. Let's come together. Let us open our senses. Let us hear and tell the story. Let us party. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Our story is the story of Nehemiah. We should be shocked that we're here. We should be surprised by your grace. We should be elevated by your love. We should sing a new song to you today. We should dance and shout and pour and drink and enjoy each other like never before, Lord, because you called us out of a place we couldn't move ourselves out of. It's a time to party. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For those of us whose hearts are hard, Lord, we ask that you would pour the wine on it. That you would pour the true celebration of God's goodness on it. Soften our hearts. Give us a new heart of flesh. Take the heart of stone away. Lord, please, we pray that you would protect us this party season. But Lord, we pray that you would promote us to sing and shout and celebrate and party this holiday season. Do this in us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.